Hello, I'm going to talk today on making prayer effective. I read a novel some years ago by a famous novelist about somebody who left hearth and home in a search for God. And he spent years just living in the thought of praying to God all the time, talking to God all the time, seeking the truth on a divine level. And after all those years, he was left completely flat. There was no answer to his prayers. Evidently, there was no God up there, uh, whether listening or interested. And I thought that that's the uh, imposition that novelists place on us poor readers, giving us a reality that's theirs. But I, I would have liked to see that author try it for even a week and see if he could say the same thing. Because the truth is that anybody who will give a little bit of time to trying to not only talk to God, but listen for his answer, anybody who leaves everything to do that is bound to have an experience of God. He couldn't fail to do so. I have been now praying and meditating and practicing spiritual teachings for 43 years. That's a good slice of anybody's life. I can say, however, that within a very short time in those 43 years, I would say a matter of weeks, I was already feeling something, a higher reality than what I had been accustomed to think of. And I know for a fact, not only in my life, but in the lives of really thousands of people that I have met, that living in prayer, living in uh, well, as uh, Brother Lawrence, in a famous book of his that was written several hundred years ago, called Practicing the Presence of God, as he wrote that the presence of God becomes so much a reality that indeed the difficulty is living in this relative world when you can stay in that world of absolute wisdom, absolute certainty. I've always remembered, too, what the uh, writer of the great, almost a scripture, that spiritual work, The Imitation of Christ, said, Thomas Akempis, he was a monk also, and he would answer uh, the summons in the monastery when guests came and called to him. But after a while, he would always say, I have an important visitor in my cell. I have to leave now. And what he meant was that he was there communing with Christ and communing with God. And what could be more important than that? The experience of people who have tried this, I don't have to call them saints, people who have just tried this for a short time. We have a retreat in the village where I live. We call the retreat the Expanding Light at uh, Ananda Village. And to this retreat, people come by many hundreds from all over the world. And what we see is, as they come, they carry with them their normal baggage of worries and concerns and attachments and uh, perhaps a little anger and sort of having a chip on their shoulders, all the sorts of things that you find in people uh, normally. After a few days, you find those lines on their faces, that sort of hunted look in their eyes, that worried look, just gradually being ironed out. By the end of a week, 
They're always glowing. And after they've been here for a month, why, they're like different people. This comes from just simply living in the presence of God. And so this fool of an author who made such a statement ought to have tried it first before he made such a sweeping uh, denial of the spiritual life as if it were an entire delusion. The truth is that prayer works. And what we need to do is to understand how to make it work. You know, if you have somebody, let's say you're having tea with them, and they spend their whole time talking to you, you may well reach the point where you figure, well, this guy isn't interested at all in what I have to say, and your mind may wander. You may not even listen to him and uh, just sort of be put on automatic pilot where you will say a few, grunt a few little words. But uh, beyond that, your mind will be focused on other things, perhaps children playing outdoors or a book you read yesterday or whatever it might be. Any response that he gets from you will be minimal. If then he goes away complaining that you didn't speak, well, that's his problem. There's a story I heard about a, uh, this was a woman uh, author who said that her father had a favorite story. It was that, about a couple whose wife, the wife complained that the husband never spoke, and the husband replied, well, he didn't like to interrupt. Well, the thing is that if we pray, if when we pray, we do all the talking, then how can we expect God to try to come in? He may try and fail. The, the kind of thing we put out has to be a reciprocal uh, a conversation. It reminds me on a slightly different level of a story of a uh, Negro in a church in the South that was all white. He was the janitor. And he, because he was the janitor there, wanted to come on Sunday and pray with the white folk. And the minister said, well, I can't let you, Jim. If I did, I'd lose my job. Uh, it's just not allowed for black people to be here. And Jim felt so badly. One day he finally knelt by his bed and prayed to Jesus. And he said, Lord, why can't I go in there and worship you with the, black, with the white folk? And he suddenly had a vision. And Jesus looked at him with sort of a humorous compassion. And he said, Jim, don't feel too badly. For 20 years I've been trying to get into that church myself, and I haven't yet succeeded. So it is with most people's minds. They have so many fixed dogmas, bigoted beliefs, so many ideas they're trying to get across to God. They don't give God a chance. So if you want to make your prayer effective, the first thing that you need to do is listen. Now, I don't mean only listen. You've got to have something to say. Why should he talk if you don't seem to be a part of the conversation either? But pray deeply, call to God, and then listen for his answer. The next thing that's important is that you know how to concentrate. A cousin of mine, when she gave birth to her first child, it turned out that the child had something uh, wrong in its intestines, quite seriously wrong. And his life for a while was in doubt. She was a believing Christian, and she prayed as she could with great desperation to uh, have her, for her child's life to be spared. 
She told me ruefully afterwards, in spite of my desperation, in spite of my deep longing, I put as much concentration into it as I was capable of doing. I put as much earnestness into my prayer as I had in me to put. And yet I couldn't help my mind roaming around. I was wondering who those children were playing in the yard outside. I was wondering whether I'd bought uh, milk this morning in order to uh, make a dish that I had planned in the evening and what I would do maybe if I didn't have that milk. Oh, my mind was just thinking of all kinds of extraneous things. Now, concentration is essential. To get back to that tea, if this person's talking to you and his eyes are wandering all over the place and he's telling you something that he says he's interested in and wants you to be uh, a part of, but he keeps interrupting himself and straying from the subject, and you'd have a hard time knowing what he really wanted to say, wouldn't you? Well, poor God, I think he has a hard time with us. We're supposedly praying for one thing, and then we're thinking of all these other things too. We've got to have the calmness and concentration of, well, Napoleon's rings to mind. Napoleon wrote a letter on the battlefield, and a bomb uh, I mean, a cannonball landed at his feet, and he was so completely calm and concentrated, all he did was hold the letter out so the sand would spray on the letter and dry the ink. Well, that's calmness for you, but it also shows that kind of mind which could make things happen. Great things in the context of what he was trying to do, appalling things when we think of what it did to civilization, what it did to the countries he was fighting what it did to his own army, which was decimated in all these wars. But where our subject is concentration, and he had it, and it was because he had it that he could make a go of what he was trying to do. Concentration is a key to success in any field, any field, whether it be business or studies or uh, arts or uh, even getting along well with others. So many people, because they haven't put their minds on what they're saying, will say things unintentionally, will say things that they didn't really mean, that yet destroy friendships, do incalculable harm to the feelings of others, to the harmony of others, and so on. Whatever we do, we ought to do with concentration. A few years ago, a group of us from Ananda World Brotherhood Village were looking into the possibility of buying a building in Nevada City. And at a certain point in the conversation, somebody suggested we call the realtor. And the conversation strayed to other things before we finally got around to saying, yes, let's call him. But meanwhile, this person, when she suggested that, pulled out the number and then uh, we said no, so she took it right back. It was only a moment that she held the number out. Then when we said, let's call it, she said, well, let me get that number out again and look for it. And I, I said, well, the number is, and I told her. And she said, how can you know that? You only got a glimpse of that number on my piece of paper. I said, yes, but when I glimpsed, I concentrated. And she thought, my, this is amazing that you have such ability. I said, nothing to it. All you have to do is concentrate. And so she tried it, and she found, yes, it works infallibly. Whatever you do, if you're looking at a number, concentrate on it. If you concentrate on it, even just like that, you put your mind to it for a moment, and it stays in your mind, and you remember it. 
memory is to a great extent determined by how much you are aware of what's happening, how intensely aware, how concentratedly you are aware. Now that same concentration is certainly, well, before I talk about prayer, let's talk about salesmanship, because let's face it, in a way, prayer is selling your ideas to God. Uh, it's perhaps not a, a palatable image, but it amounts to that. You've got to really make what you say persuasive in the sense that you want to make him believe that's what you really want. You've got to bring your own power to bear on it. You've got to be sincere, let's put it that way. Because I would say that the essence of good salesmanship, as opposed to the used car salesman approach, which uh, I don't like to think that all used car salesmen are like this, but they have an image in the country that makes you think of them. The high-powered salesman who is selling a jalopy and trying to pretend that the owner who had it for 25 years never drove it more than a block. Well, um, real salesmanship is simply projecting sincerity. With God, you can't play games. You can't project something you don't have, so you really have to be sincere. But there's also got to be that projection that if somebody talks to you with, with a sense that this is really important to me, and you've got to listen because I mean it. My life depends on it. My, the welfare of my children depend on it. Something or other depends on it. And you really have your whole being there because concentration isn't just a matter of concentration of the mind. It's a concentration of your entire feeling. To mean it means to mean it with your heart, with your guts, you might say. Now, when you pray like that, when you pray because that's what you really mean, when you pray to God and say, I love you, God, please come to me, why should he come if he knows you don't really mean it? You mean it with your mind because you read a good book and it said that you, if you pray like that, then you get results. And so you sort of have this idea in your head that, uh, I'll, okay, I'll pray like that, but I don't really believe it. You may get some results, but you won't get the same results as you will if you've reached that point of sincerity where nothing else matters to you. This is what you want. That's what I mean by projecting. I mean not keeping it locked up, but just giving it to God. Now, to make that prayer effective, you have to realize, too, that God's... You see, here's the difference between, um, well, let's say the common channeling. You read books on the subject that tell you, I have a book on how to be a channel, and I'm, in that book I point out to people that real channeling is not what people think, this blanking out of the mind and sort of letting any sort of entity who comes through talk, and it's usually your subconscious. Real channeling means understanding that to draw from a higher inspiration, you have to bring yourself up to that level. You can't passively expect anything to happen. You've got to bring your light, your consciousness, your energy up to a level where divine consciousness flows. That's why God responds much more to the prayers of saints than he does of sinners, because saints can function on his level. He responds to everyone's prayer somewhat but he can respond best to those who meet him on that level of divine love, divine faith, divine joy, surrender of all ego. That's where the divine consciousness functions. That's where it's at home, you might say. And if you want to pray effectively, then the best thing you can do is raise your consciousness to that level. The next thing to pray effectively is to make some contact 
If I call to you in a whisper and you're out of the room, you may not hear me. God, of course, is omniscient. He hears even a whisper, but he will hear a whisper more than a shout if that whisper is absolutely focused, if it's in tune, if it's in touch with him. In other words, what I'm saying is when you pray, pray to the point where you feel a response. And once you feel that response, that's the time to pray best. When you feel that response, it's as if, we're using human terminology here, but it's as if you then were in touch with him, in communion with him, in communication with him, and then he can answer most perfectly. Now remember, to a large extent, prayer is the, uh, it's your own action combined with his power. It's not as if you were submitting a petition and letting him take over. It's as if, if you want to pray for somebody over there, it's not as if you give it to him, then wash your hands of it and let him take care of it from there on. It's rather as if in praying to him, you ask him to come through you to that person as well as to go to that person. You remain a vital part of the prayer process. The power you put into it is to a great extent, the power reinforced by his power that will make these things happen. They're much larger than what you can make happen on a conscious level, but lift your mind to the superconscious level and you'll find that something's happen, happening far beyond your own conscious processes. So, to pray effectively, calm your mind. Meditate deeply. Don't think about your problem. Don't think what you want to pray for, but calm your mind deeply and try to commune with God. And then when you're calm, best of all, when you feel some divine response in the sense of peace or great love welling up within you or a joy bursting upon you, then pray deeply here. You see, we are a sort of a combination broadcasting and receiving station. If you will send here, which is the broadcasting station, the point between the eyebrows, send that thought up to God. You'll find that through the willpower that that generates, then uh, uh, you'll get a response. And then listen in the heart. The heart is the receiving station. Listen to whatever intuition you feel here. You can make, uh, you can make prayer effective. You can get answers to your prayer simply by giving, offering yourself having no selfish desire, just wishing to be in tune. The best prayer of all is, Lord, give me thyself, that I may share thee with all. And so in tune with God, you'll find that even your slightest wishes become granted, and to a miraculous degree. Give it a try. Don't be like that novelist who decreed to the whole world some absolute garbage of falsehood. Try it and find out if you can't make it happen. I guarantee you can. Joy to you.